Jesson Walker back from the Spectrum Center. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The number two overall pick, Brandon Miller. The number 27th overall pick, Nick Smith Jr., are set to speak in just a moment. The press are going to start in just a few minutes. Also, Mitch Kupchak, I believe, is going to be taking more questions from media as well. Don't know if this is just going to be maybe like a five-minute media session, and then you're going to give it to Brandon and Nick because Mitch did so much speaking this week. He spoke to media on Wednesday. He spoke after a couple of the draft picks last night. Some of the sound bites were inaudible. I think it's fair to say some of them he was a little bit short with you so don't know if he's going to come back <laughs> a little bit stronger with this short session who knows how long he's going to be taking some of these would questions. you ask him a question in your mimicking voice i wondered if he was giving me a scowl because he looked this general direction i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and guess that he did not pinpoint either one of us but if he did and he gave me a scowl he probably knows that's the dude that impersonates me on so. these airwaves. It'd be yeah. funny if he pulled up on you and said, hey, man, you think that's funny? If <laughs> 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 he came up and said, yo, you think that's cool? Yeah. You think that's fun? Yeah, I I don't know what I would do. I'd be like, look, Mitch, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> I've defended you in times, but it's all good, man. I just wanted to roll with the impression. I- I'm excited to hear about Brandon and-, and Nick Smith, what they're going to say to the media. It'll be happening in just a couple of minutes. Again, we're going to carry that coverage in just a moment. James Najee not here, as I mentioned, because he's officially not a member of the team. It's the stupid NBA rules. This one's a little bit different mm-hmm. because he is playing for a team as we speak, FC Barcelona. So now you don't have his contract. He's literally signed with another team. But as it happens, if you're not in the NBA, then you can do the draft and stash or you can buy that contract out. James will come over. That is the expectation. This is not going to be some kind of draft and stash scenario. Amari Bailey, their number 41 overall pick, just too hard to get him over here. UCLA, I believe, out in Cali. I guess I would I, I would guess that he was in Cali. I don't know where he is. Just too hard to draft him at 41. He realizes that he's a Hornet selection close to midnight, and then you got to get him out here in, I mean, you know, less than and close to midnight hours. if he's West Coast. You're talking, did he find Ooh. out midnight West Coast time? Uh, it, or? Well, no, it would have been a little bit different there. So three so, o'clock. Yeah, so there are the there is the applause from the fans that are in the building. And with that, we're going to be uh, getting you over to the press conference in just a moment. Going to wait for Mitch Kupchak to sit down so you don't have any dead air. But I can see him. There's Nick Smith. There's Brandon Miller. And we'll go ahead and play it right now. Here are the two newest members of the Charlotte Hornets alongside their GM. Here today for a very, very special occasion with some very special guests that we're excited to introduce you all to. Also want to thank, in addition to our Hive Society members, our loyalist fans here today, we want to welcome our distinguished media members and everyone tuned in on 92.7 Sports Radio WFNZ, as well as Bally Sports Southeast, the radio and television homes of the Charlotte Hornets. Yesterday was an historic night for the Hornets franchise. The chance to select two first-round picks, have one of them be number two overall, that's a rare opportunity for any franchise. And today we are extremely excited to welcome two outstanding young prospects to their new home. Brandon Miller. Nick Smith Jr., welcome to Charlotte. For those that don't know yet, Brandon was the second overall pick in last night's draft, a first-team All-American at the University of Alabama last season, and Nick was a standout at the University of Arkansas, selected 27th overall, and I think Mitch is going to tell you in a little bit, he's a guy we feel very fortunate to have gotten at that spot. 
Both Brandon and Nick are going to play a key part in helping usher in the newest era of Charlotte Hornets basketball, and we thank you both for being with us here today. You'll notice that we're missing a couple other members of the 2023 draft class at as James Najee and Amari Bailey were unable to join us today due to some travel complications, but we look forward to welcoming, welcoming them here to Buzz City as well in the coming days. For now, we'll have our President of Basketball Operations and General Manager, Mitch Kupchak, introduce the Charlotte Hornets 2023 draft class, Brandon Miller and Nick Smith Jr., our first round picks. <clears throat> Thank you, and, and welcome to everybody here this, this afternoon. Uh, today marks the culmination of a very long um, process that begins really in September. They don't know what, what goes into, you know, anything like last night. In other words, you know, our scouts um, meeting on a regular basis in September and October, drawing up prospect lists that grow into the thousands, um, scouts attending games, uh, throughout the season, more meetings, um, more games, a lot of reports coming in, um, season ends, then we you know, end up going to different venues like Portsmouth, All-Star Games, of course, they, they do know about the Chicago pre-draft. Uh, and then when there's a season when you have five draft picks like we did this year, um, we're allowed to bring in players uh, twice to work out. So if you can imagine that we brought in over, I believe, 110 players uh, from the Chicago pre-draft camp uh, through two days ago, and some players were brought in twice. And it all is part of a process that gets us together for a week as scouts, which was last week, and ends with an evening like last night. So that's what goes into you know, uh, something which seems as simple as selecting a player at number two or a player at 41 or 39. Uh, last night, uh, we did make a trade uh, to move up. And as mentioned, there, there are two players that are not here today. And that's unfortunate, right? Now, I was talking to them earlier you know, a long, long time ago, I played in the NBA, right? And I was drafted in 1976. And I went, I was at Chapel Hill, and um, I went to sleep. The draft was, I think, a Tuesday night. I went to sleep. I didn't know what happened. I woke up in the morning, and I was in the cafeteria. Um, and a player, and somebody came up to me and said, Mitch, you were drafted by the Washington Bullets. I said, they said I heard it on the radio. So I said, really? And they said, yeah. So that's how I found out, you know, I got drafted. And then I got a call from my college coach, Dean Smith, and he said, there's a telegram at the office, you know, uh, come by. So I went in, opened up the telegram, right, Western Union, and it said, congratulations, you've been drafted by the Washington Bullets. Please give me a call, Bob Ferry. So, uh, you know, compare and contrast that, you know, to probably the three or four most exciting days of your life, right? Going to New York on Tuesday with your agent, your families, uh, media, um, parties, dinners, and then of course, you know, last night just has to be the most exciting day, you know, in your lives as far as being a professional athlete. So I, I am a little disappointed that the other two players 
that we drafted, uh, James Naji, right, and Amari Bailey, because of travel reasons, you know, could not be here today, and, and they couldn't share in this in this day that I know is one of the most exciting days, you know, that you could possibly have. So uh, that's what it took to get to where we are to today. Um, and as a result, we have two of the players we drafted last night. We feel very fortunate uh, to have uh, both players. You know, obviously, you know, the number two pick, there was a lot of debate. It wasn't the easiest decision, a lot of speculation. You know, I understand that. It's, you know, it's front row, right? It's, you know, people aren't really that concerned with, well, who might go 22, who might go 28? But when it's one, two, three, there's a lot. Um, but that's not to say that just as much energy, you know, wasn't put into the other selections, sometimes even more. And like I said, we did move up to get a player. Um, we feel really good about our draft. And I'm hopeful that in four or five years I can look back on it and, and my feeling, you know, is justified. So um, having said that, I think at this point we open it up for questions. Yes, we will. Um, for all our media members in attendance, please raise your hand and we will make sure to get a microphone over to you if you'd like to ask any questions of Mitch, Brandon, or Nick. Anyone want to lead us off? <clears throat> Daryl Horowitz, Queen City Nerve, by the way. Hey, Brandon, I watch most of your games at Alabama, so I know how good you are. But a lot of the media reports, like before time, the draft profiles, a lot of the people were saying you had a very high floor, but they were questioning your ceiling. What would you say to those people? Um, I think, you know, I just let the media talk. I don't try to um, get into the media, kind of let my game um, play out. Um, I know what I'm capable of doing. Um, so, yeah. Nick, you, uh, we talked last night, Logic, WFNZ in Charlotte. You come here off of a lot of emotion. There was a lot that you showed last night. What have the last kind of 12 hours felt like for you as you kind of soak it all in and be a part of this? Um, well, the past 12 hours have been crazy. Um, just to spend some time with my family, um, spend some time with my friends, and, you know, celebrate this moment, um, the moment I've been waiting for for 19 years. So, um, you know, it finally came, and, you know, we're ready to put the work in and take the next step. Brandon, Nick Carboni here at WCNC Charlotte. Uh, you mentioned on uh, Monday, LaMelo and, and Michael made you feel kind of at home. What, what specifically kind of conversations did you have with LaMelo? And, you know, when you really zoom in on it now that you're a Hornet, how do you feel like you can complement each other on the floor? Um, you know, I think when I first got here, uh, one of the first people I met was LaMelo. Uh, kind of made me feel like a, a younger brother away from home, um, which, I mean, I, I think that's why I kind of picked University of Alabama. It was because the bond, I think, always kind of built a bond with me since I was um, a freshman. So um, I, think, I feel like him just, you know, coming on his own time to watch me work out is kind of like motivating and, you know, welcoming. Here, WFNZ Sports Radio, 92.7 FM. We are live at the Spectrum Center listening to the newest members of the Hornets drafted last night, Brandon Miller and Nick Smith, Jr. Here's more coverage of the presser right now. 
Well, he, he's been identified, you know, as, you know, one of two prospects, you know, for months. And, um, you know, there are a lot of voices, you know, in a decision like this, right? I've got a voice. Michael has a voice. We have, you know, some new ownership. Uh, you know, Buzz has a big voice. So um, it takes a while to vet out, you know, um, all your opinions as a group to discuss, have spirited conversations. You know, I think that's good. I welcome, you know, somebody else's viewpoint, maybe something I didn't notice or I didn't think about. I think Michael, and I mentioned this earlier, I think in years past he's done that on purpose with me. You know, even though he knew who I might want to draft, he would always at the last, the 11th hour come in and say, well, you know, Mitch, did you ever think about this guy? I like this guy. And it took me a couple of years to figure out that he didn't really like that guy. Okay, he just wanted to create dialogue to get me talking, right? So I welcome that. And as a group, we, we did have, you know, as I mentioned, you know, with some new voices. I mean, that can't be denied. There are going to be new voices going forward, right? Uh, at the end of the day, um, Michael make, makes the decision. Uh, he points at me and he allows me to make this decision and he gives me the authority to make that decision. Of course, going forward, that, that will change, right, at some point. But that's how it was this past week. Um, Michael came in, I believe, on Monday. So he was in the office and then the new owners came in. You know, one came in, one left. The other one came in and stayed. Then the other one came back. And it all resulted in a group, you know, discussion. And pretty much um, as of Wednesday night, it was over, the discussion. <clears throat> Brand, Brandon and Nick, Matt, with the Hornets. Uh, just wanted to ask you guys, you know, we've got fans here. We've got staff here. Everyone's excited. Can you just talk about your excitement for joining the team and what we can all expect to see from each of you individually once you put on a Hornets uniform? Uh, yeah, uh, it's definitely an exciting moment. Uh, definitely a dream come true, uh, for sure. Um, I think what fans are getting is just a winner, uh, willing to make all the winning plays and just try to, you know, win as many basketball games as I can. Uh, yeah, um, to pick on Brandon saying, um, just, um, just the competitive spirit, um, just coming in ready to work, um, you know, being uh, open-minded person, um, just learning any any and everything um, from, you know, coaching staff, um, older players, you know, players that have been here before, and, um, you know, just trying to learn as much as we can. Uh, you know, we're coming into the league, you know, we're fresh, so, you know, um, just trying to learn as much as we can and try to get better each and every day. Brandon and Nick, um, Sam with the Hornets, I'm curious, you guys played together uh, before college in AAU, then played against each other in college, and now you're playing again with each other. How would you best describe the other person's game? So, Brandon, what do you like most about Nick's game, and then Nick, uh, vice versa? Uh, I can say from guarding him, uh, he's definitely a crafty guard, uh, real creative. Um, I remember we played him, he kind of hit one of my teammates with a in and out hezzy first game floater. Um, I, I think I kind of like that move, so I kind of steal that from him. <laughs> yeah, um, Brandon, um, I feel like um, he can score by all three levels. Uh, great defender. Um, he's, uh, you know, he's pretty big, a homo, but uh, he's, uh, you know, 6'8", you know, very long, uh, very athletic. And he pretty much can do 
you know, anything, you know, to help a team win. And uh, he's definitely, a, you know, especially off the court, a great teammate to have, for sure. Hey, guys, Kelly Bardick, WCCB Bay Heckle Sports. Welcome to Charlotte, and congratulations. This is kind of an off-the-court question. I know you've already today been helping out with a skills clinic at the local YMCA. Um, what's it like already being out in the community as Hornets players and able to give back so soon? It was, it was definitely a fun moment, um, you know, just seeing the kids out there running, having fun, um, shooting basketballs, dunking the basketball on eight-foot rim. Um, I think just getting involved with the community is a, plays a big part in who I am today. Yeah, um, well, for me, you know, it was definitely, definitely, you know, um, put a put a smile on my face just to see, you know, um, you know, kids like that go out there and have fun, uh, especially, you know, the game of basketball is something that, you know, brings me joy. And, um, you know, I just wanted to go out, go, go uh, have fun with them. And I feel like me and V um, did that. And, you know, we um, came out on a strong note. So, you know, it was, a, you know, our first impression. So we wanted to, you know, leave, you know, a good impression for, you know, um, the fans. Uh, Eric Spanberg with the Charlotte Business Journal. Mitch, I'm curious, you mentioned that the uh, new co-owners were in town for part of the week. And uh, you mentioned that things are going to change, obviously, with the transition to the new group. Have you been through anything similar in terms of this kind of change, and how will that affect your approach going into next season? Uh, no, I, I've not been, you know, through something like this before. You know, in Los Angeles. Um, well, I guess maybe in Los Angeles, you know, there was a transition from one owner to family members. Um, a little bit different, and then of course coming here. Um, you know, having Michael for five years and now making a transition. Um, so, yeah, it's somewhat, you know, familiar, but somewhat uncharted territory. Um, you know, my understanding is, is that they don't plan to make any changes. Nothing's changing, you know, and um, I have to get to learn how to work with a new person or new people, right? And so, you know, that'll take some time. And uh, with Michael, we had a, I had a good rhythm. You know, I knew when to call him. I knew when not to call him. I knew when he was available. He, you send him a text, you get a text back within seconds. You know, every morning when I would text him and say, do you have a few minutes to talk? The response was yes right away. And then we would talk in the morning, you know, whether it was 10 minutes or an hour, right? So you develop a rhythm. And uh, that's, you know, what's going to have to take place with the new owners at some point. Uh, and it was good that they were here this week because, you know, although one of them has been a part owner for several years, you know, did not have much contact with him, but I did know him. And then with Rick uh, being around this week, um, you know, that gave us or gave me a chance to become more, you know, familiar with him. So uh, it's a process, you know, um, I feel I can work with, anybody and um, you know it's you know I, I'm just trying to get this team you know continue with our, our goal right to build something that's sustainable you know not just win or get into the playoffs once you know we want to advance and I do want to see that through. Gary McDonald Fox Charlotte Nick for you number one recruit coming out of high school but you spend a lot of last season injured probably the most time you spent off the court what did you learn the most about yourself during that process, and who did you lean on to kind of stay grounded during that? 
Yeah, um, um, going through that process, I learned much about my body, uh, you know, um, just taking, you know, stuff more seriously, um, just being in the weight room more. I feel like um, I feel like God put me in that position to, you know, actually, you know, be aware of those type of things. And, you know, going through the, going through that process, I feel like I fell in love with the weight room more than I ever have. And, um, yeah, I had a – I got a good support, support base around me, uh, my family, uh, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister. Um, my friends at home, my grandma uh, was always, you know, behind me. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they always gonna be behind me, and you know, um, whenever when stuff get tough, you know, that's that's where I go to. So, Brandon, um, you've had to answer some tough questions leading up to the draft. Well, what is it you want fans here in Charlotte to know about you as a person? Um. One thing uh, that I'm very approachable, um, a happy guy, always willing to you know have conversations with fans and just you know willing to create new bonds with fans. Um, so if you see me uh, in Charlotte, you know just don't just walk up to me, have a conversation. My man. like we have some volunteers for that conversation so it looks like we're going to wrap this up unless any of our other media members have any other questions before we but before sure. we wrap i would like to know, to recognize uh some family members you know um brandon's dad and mom daryl and yolanda here and also um as well as brother and sister but yeah and nick smith senior <laughs> You know, over here in the corner. So I know they're excited and happy too. Uh, Daryl, you haven't stopped smiling. You haven't had that the smile's been on your face yeah, since DJ. I saw you this morning. Yeah, and, <laughs> and Nick smiled too. So DJ is too. DJ. Thank you for allowing us to, you know, have your sons to play with us. That was Mitch Kupchak, the GM of the Charlotte Hornets, and a couple of the newest members of the Charlotte Hornets roster, the number two overall pick, Brandon Miller, and the number 27 overall pick, Nick Smith Jr., speaking with the media. It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back and dive into some of those comments right here. Once again, Sports Radio, 92.7 FM. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Fidiak to the full at the Planet Kia Studios, as always. Mitch Kupchak here at the Spectrum Center alongside Brandon Miller and Nick Smith Jr. Taking questions from the media. We brought you that press conference. Me and Wes diligently taking notes on our computer so we could dissect every little thing each of them said while at the podium. I don't know where you want to start, Wes. Mm -hmm. What I would propose we start is with the process all of the different opinions that they had to go and check in on who they wanted to select number two. Because Mitch Kupchak talked about everyone having a voice. Not only did Michael Jordan have a voice, new ownership with Gabe Plotkin and Rick Shaw. Also, you had Buzz Peterson, which is something we should have been mentioning. I always forget that Buzz Peterson has 
a lot of say within this organization. Michael Jordan's roommate, North Carolina tie, assistant GM with Mitch. He's always carried a ton of weight within this organization. I always should have been, it, I always forget to put a lot of stock into that. Mitch talked about MJ playing devil's advocate, that he's always been doing that. And Mitch said, at the end of the day, this was one of the more confusing parts with me. Maybe you can help break it down. Okay. At the end of the day, MJ makes the decision to give me the final decision, to give Michael the final decision. Very weird, right? Mitch is telling you that he is the one that has final say, but he's also very clear to say that Michael gives him the power, so it's his final decision. Mm -hmm. Plus, this is the thing that led to the confusion in Wednesday's media availability. We yeah. got conflicting reports from different reporters. I don't know if you found that as confusing as I did. If you can clear it up, please do. I don't know that I'll be able to clear it up much, but I do know that it is uh, very confusing as far as just figuring out who had the final say uh, on this pick, who had the most input. So I'm with you 100 uh, percent, man. I mean, it's kind of all over the place. I guess he's just and look, I don't want to make it harder than it needs to be trying to, to interpret what he was saying. But also, there is room for doubt on, all right, is it Michael telling you who to roll with? Or is Michael allowing you to make the final decision? And then it truly is whatever you believe, and then that is Like the a voluntary mandatory decision. Like, Mike, they're like hey, <laughs> yeah. I like this guy. And then looking at you like, well, you yeah. better pick him, even yeah. though you might have yeah. a different you, opinion. You have the strong presence. It'd be a shame if we didn't take Brandon right. Miller. <laughs> Huh? What do you mean? Oh, you don't like? No, I'm just saying it'd be a real yeah, shame. Real Mitch. shame. Do you see me? It'd be a shame if you didn't pick Brandon Miller. Yeah, who knows what it is? But that's exactly what he was discussing. He did say new owners had say. You do have a different power dynamic mm -hmm. because Michael can have all of the airness and the goatness surrounding you, but you don't have that 51% control in not. a few weeks. He'll go through free agency. He'll still have that control. He has it contractually right now. That's what Woj told us when we did have this story break, really, I guess, last week? Crazy timing. Last week when this story came in. But then you do know that Plotkin and Schnall are going to have a say in all of this. So that is how the process all played out. I, I did want to also go to Brandon Miller when, I believe it was Steve Reed, if I'm not mistaken, of the Associated Press. He asked Brandon, all of the tough questions that he had to answer off of the court. Mm -hmm. Steve said, what do you want people to know about you as a person coming to the city of Charlotte? He said he's very approachable. He's willing to have a convo with fans. If you see me in Charlotte, say hello. Let's have a conversation. It's the second time I've heard him say that. He said, hey, if you're in Charlotte, say what's up. I do like that approach. I think it's a good answer. It's great. Now, it's not a feet to the fire question. I don't even know how much he could answer about the situation going on in Tuscaloosa. But I do like that answer. I, I do think that the fans will approach him, and I think that is welcoming uh, to the city of Charlotte to have that kind of answer. What do you think? Yeah, I think it is too, man, because this is a guy that he knows, and I'm sure people around him have told him kind of the uh, the heat that's going to be around him just a little bit coming in initially because there's still so much that people want to know about what happened at Alabama. So I think the more that he can do to garner positive feedback from the fans, I mean, what do we see celebrities do all the time? They do the damage control when something bad happens. They try to get out there 
get as much positive PR as they can get. And I think if you're Brandon Miller, you can't get enough of that leading up to the start of this season because we saw the fans' reaction last night, and we'd be a fool to not think that what he did uh, or what he was involved with at Alabama doesn't have something to do with that because we know, man, you come up and have a conversation with a guy, that can change everything. Fans that were like, man, I didn't like the guy, but then I saw him down at the the mall the other day, and we had a conversation, man, and I like that kid. I'm rooting for him. Well, 100% in our business, too. When Mm -hmm. you don't meet the player and you go on the mic, not even talking reckless, you always want to be fair in large part because that situation might come about. But then once you start to get to know these guys and you realize, oh, they're just not basketball players that I watch on TV and never meet. These are actually cool people. They're cool dudes. Right. And then you start to have a little bit of a different opinion, which is always important for fans to remember. They won't. That's fine. Fans are short for fanatic. And so we get what the deal is. But that is something that you could bring up and it bring home a real point. Brandon Miller also talked about the narrative that he doesn't have a high ceiling. I think... I don't know who asked that question, but the question was asked as, okay, some of the public feels that you have a high floor, but you don't have a high ceiling, where this might be in along the lines of my thinking. I think Brandon Miller can come in and immediately contribute because of his shooting. I think the high-end comp that I would be most comfortable reaching with a 100th percentile outcome would be something like a Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram is a very, very good thorough, player. Thorough. But not Jason Tatum and not the Paul George comps, even if he thinks he's the GOAT. He said he's not really, <laughs> he didn't give you any comment on that. I mean, he he left that very short. He said, I'm not going to get into what the media talks about. I'll, I'll basically let them do them. That was not verbatim, but it was very short. He said, I'm not going to get into the, what the media talks about. What did you uh, think about that comment? Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I think he doesn't want to continue to pound into the ground uh, that he does not think that MJ is the GOAT. But other than <laughs> that, uh, I think that this is a young man that's just ready to turn over uh, a, a new page. But I think, unfortunately for him, that's going to be difficult because the off-the-court stuff is going to continue to follow him. But now it's just I'm sure he's ready to attack Summer League because that's going to be his first order of business to start to win over the fans. And not that that's his problem primary objective but the summer league is going to be our first taste yeah. of what he can do and if he's getting out there dropping 20 on the regular and showing that he's ready to play some ball i think this city will be fired up and behind him sooner rather than later because listen we talked about it and i know i had my issues with a lot of the fans but miles bridges what he did couldn't have been more disgusting and we saw on his instagram when he started to put out posts that he was working out how many fans were cheering him on 100 percent 100%. I do want to get to some of the immediate summer league takeaways in a moment because I want to go back in years past and see how like a book night performed and some of these other guys. Uh, the last thing before we go on, I thought it was funny and truthful that Mitch Kupchak with Brandon Miller right beside him was saying how it wasn't the easiest decision at number two, that they came to the final conclusion on Wednesday night. Yes. Seemed like they knew, okay, Brandon Miller's going to be the guy. While they had healthy debates, they had new ownership come in, give their opinions. That was the last time that they really had a roundtable discussion to the point where any pick or any mind was going to be swayed. But there he was saying that it was not the easiest decision in the world because you do have a high draft pick. Literally only one other draft selection is higher than what you can pick with where Brandon Miller went. What did you have to? Uh, what do you have to say about Mitch's comments on it not being a very easy decision? I think that was. Uh 
nothing that we didn't know, but I thought that it was interesting just the fact that he said that Wednesday night it was over. And so I would love to be in on conversations like that. I think those are some of the more fascinating parts of sports when you have to have big decisions like that because we know this is a decision that's going to have ripple effects on the Hornets for a long time yeah. because we talked about how they didn't expect to get up to the number two pick. And so once you're there, you've got to get it right. So I would just love to hear, especially with two workouts apiece from the prospects that they had zoned in on and just hearing about how they compared and contrasted the two. And then another part of this is uh, the article comes out where they're talking about LaMelo and, and how much he's been in the building and how much he was a part, not necessarily in choosing the play, but that they did let him in on the workouts to be able to watch. And I just find it hard to believe that even though LaMelo uh, may not have had a say on the pick, I do buy that. But come on now, you can't tell me they weren't looking at his reactions when workouts were done or certain things were happening and they didn't give LaMelo the old eye and see what LaMelo thought about it and if he was giddy about what was happening, mm -hmm. that that played into their decision-making as well. I, the, the only thing that I would have against that mm -hmm is that Mitch has been so adamant that he doesn't. And it, there's, there is something to be gained with publicly going out there and saying, yeah, we're going to listen to what LaMelo has to think. Mm -hmm. And so with him just flat out putting that to rest at, no, we're not listening to LaMelo. Like, but, if, but if I'm your star player and I, and I come in and check out the workouts and, you, and you're the, the GM and I'm yeah. your superstar franchise guy, you might not necessarily ask me what I want to do, but maybe you look over at me to see in a workout how I'm <laughs> reacting to stuff. And oh, if look I'm how giddy, happy Brandon makes Yeah, him. if you're giddy. Oh, let's give Yeah, if this. I'm giddy, if I'm over there like, woo, yeah. did you see that? You're going to be like, maybe. you might not be, but you'll be talking about amongst MJ and the crew and say, man, did you see how LaMelo reacted to that guy? It could be. It could be. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Um, any comments you wanted to get to? I know you wrote down some comments, and then we can come back, talk Summer League, and get final thoughts. Uh, I like the part where they were, because they did play AAU together yeah. uh, on Bradley Bill's uh, unit, so I thought that was pretty cool. They gave pretty basic descriptions of each other, nothing uh, that you wouldn't be surprised about, but also I think that uh, them being out in the community already, they talked about hanging out with some kids and getting out there on some courts and and immersing themselves in the community. They seem like on the surface. I know they're happy right now. That check is coming. They're thinking about how they're going to be big balling. But I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, with them being community guys, because that was another thing with what we just talked about for Brandon Miller is going to be a key piece for him uh, building his image up here in the Queen City. Uh, yeah, by the way, there was an unfortunate comment. I'm not going to repeat it. You can find it on Twitter. That's just not anything that I'm going to spread over the airwaves from Nick Smith Jr. But something that he's going to have to learn from. We'll see if it's public Definitely enough. a Dipset fan. That's all I'll say. Well, and we'll see if he's going to make any <laughs> comment and talking about what he said during media availability. But it is unfortunate to hear that. Again, this is a young basketball player. There's no excuse. At the same time, I'm not going to use that as some indictment on his character going forward. And we'll see exactly what happens with the way that Nick Smith chooses to address it or chooses not to address it. And that's the only comment I'll have as we move on to the last segment. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We have one one final Fitty Flash to go with. Go ahead, Fitty. Let's uh, close it out. Fitty. All right, guys. Some news coming out of Major League Baseball. Seattle Mariner star Julio Rodriguez, J-Rod, he has committed to compete in the Home Run Derby. 
Also, baseball is across the pond this weekend. The Cubs and the Cardinals will play, I think it's two games in London. And Major League Baseball announced uh, earlier today that the Mets and the Phillies will headline next year's London series with MLB eyeing a series in France. So maybe Victor Webb and Yama, if, if basketball doesn't work out for him here in the United States, he can return to France and maybe play some baseball. And then to the NFL, uh, Brandon Bean and Sean uh, McDermott both received contract extensions through 2027. We thought they were entering this year on the hot seat, but... They've been, they've been rewarded with new contracts, so stability in Buffalo as they try to win a championship uh, here in the near future. At least the mirage of stability, because a lot of times if you don't live up to expectations, those contract extensions don't necessarily mean anything. It means something for you in the short term that we're not going to fire you anytime crazy soon right. this offseason or at the beginning. But maybe if you but don't. But come out here and be four and six and uh, see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's the strong suggestion thing again, Wes. Uh, I, I suggest you don't go. Yes. 500 yes. in the first eight <laughs> games of the season. Mm-hmm. But do you. Do what you want to do. All right, that is the last Fitty Flash of the day. 704. Fitty, I, I was wondering if I was going to call you out on this, but a 704 number did want to call you out as well. Did Fitty just say Julia? I thought about that too. Yeah, you know, sometimes we like to bring the quiet part out loud. As yeah. something Fitty said the other day, Fitty, what do you have to say to yourself as being a baseball fan um, with plenty of players being named Julio in the world and you saying Julio right there? I have no comment at this time. That's fair. That's fair. That's understandable, and we can uh, give you that time to think about that going into the last segment. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're going to be finishing up here at the Spectrum Center as we brought you that coverage of Brandon Miller and Nick Smith Jr. talking. We'll dive, uh, dive a little bit more into those comments on the other side of the break. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Segment to go right here on Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're finishing up at the Spectrum Center where you just heard not only from the Hornets GM Mitch Kupchak, but the guys that he drafted, at least in part with Michael having final say and then Mitch having final say. Brandon Miller being the number two overall selection. Nick Smith Jr. being the 27th overall selection. You also had Amari Bailey at 41. James Najee not officially a part of the team yet, but he was traded for in like a couple of different scenarios. He was the third selection last night. Really like what he can bring to the table, and I think it was a really strong draft class. Even if you do like Scoot Henderson, clearly I was a fan of Scoot. What Brandon Miller can bring on top of the other draft picks they made should be a lot of fun going forward. Now, we're going to bring Colin on to help us in a nice little last segment roundtable on ACC basketball because, Wes, you do ACC DN. Can they yes, find I that do. On At the ACC DN on all platforms. we got the Mount Rushmore series coming for you for ACC football. Man. All platforms. That's uh, right. That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> so the Charlotte Hornets take a, a few college guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Colin, not like a lot of the other NBA franchises. Top five. Only one college guy taken. That's Brandon Miller. 
we, we got him here out of Alabama. The other few players, Scoot Henderson, G League Ignite, Thompson Twins go four and five, Overtime Elite, which is actually a level below where G League Ignite was playing, and of course, Wimby coming over from uh, overseas. And you look at some of the other ACC players here, Colin, the guys were not drafted high. No, that's one of the things that that really jumps out to me as a college basketball fan is how spread out it is. I mean, one Kentucky guy, two Duke guys, one of the Duke guys barely even played. You, you didn't get an a, another ACC player until the second round. And I really want to talk about two guys that, that got advice, two Two guys that we believe from this area that were prospects that were going to be going to this league, Gigi Jackson and Terquavian Smith. Yes. Terquavian got bad advice saying, hey, wait another year, cost them some money. Gigi reclassified, jumped up into this class to be in this draft to go middle of the second round. I, I just feel bad for these kids sometimes, the advice that they get. You know, Ter- Terquavian's move was a move that was praised. Oh, look at this. He's going back to school. It's going to be great for him. Not so much. And still surprising for me, and Wes, you can speak to this a little more so having yes. been in the game yourself. What kind of advice are – here's my question, I guess. How hard is it to distinguish what is the good advice and the bad advice as an athlete trying to figure out, okay, how do I maneuver in this lifestyle? Because the thing is a lot of people are afraid to tell their kids the truth. Uh, a lot of parents aren't savvy to the sport that their kid plays and how good you have to be to make it. Just go to a high school football game or a high school basketball game and sit in the stands and listen to what's said. If a kid has a pretty decent game, <laughs> so they right think the kids that. are going to the NFL or the NBA. Yeah. It's no different with college. You see it to Quavion Smith, you can't tell me the family and, and those closest to him, he has a 30-point game. People say, man, you going to the league, dog. You finna be this, that, and the third. Like, you got it. And you don't mm-hmm. know, like I said to Kevin Keats once told me in the airport, you got to be a, a bad man, and he put it in a lot <laughs> harsher terms yeah. than that, bad to, to make it in the NFL. And, and guys just, is probably yeah, and yeah. guys just don't uh, understand that. And so I think for a cat like Quavion Smith, he's not looking at the fact that I'm 160 pounds. I'm an inefficient scorer. To get into the NBA, I need to be a lot better in a lot other areas, and there's no one close enough to them because they want to ride the gravy train when they do make it to tell them, hey man, listen, you're not ready yet. You need this, 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 and this. They want the money right now. They're blinded by just uh, opinions around them, and that's where you see these bad mistakes coming in. Well, and you could see this easily. Everyone <laughs> was talking about how good this draft class was going to be. Yeah. This was not unforeseen, which is why I kept saying it. I said it to Kevin Keats himself at ACC Basketball Media Days last year. I was surprised to see Terquavion come back because he was projected as someone that was rising. Maybe that wasn't true inside NBA circles. I know sometimes it leaks a little differently to the public. I get that. But there was a lot of draft Twitter that liked Terquavion Smith being in the top 20, flirting with the lottery spot. Then he comes back, inefficient season, doesn't make up any ground. I was still surprised to not see him drafted. And then Hunter Tyson, outside of a couple of Duke players, was the highest drafted ACC player at 38. Surprising, man. If not for the, the selections that the Hornets made, I think we'd be advocating for Terquavion to, you know, to be here. I know he signed 100%. a deal with Philly, but 100%. he would have been one of those types of guys you'd have been arguing for. Isaiah Wong, ACC Player of the Year, goes 55. Yes. <laughs> Is this an ACC issue or is this a college basketball issue? I think it's a little bit of both, man, because especially with the young guys. And see, the thing you talk about with Tequavion Smith, 
the more you stay in college, the more you lose that great title of upside. You lose that because last year, if Tequavion Smith comes out, they look Good at him point. and say, oh, he was a freshman, so, you know, we can get him in and we can do this, this, that, and a third, and they take him in the first round. Whereas now he comes back for a second season, and then they have all these pretty freshmen and these pretty G League kids that are still young, and they like their upside better, man. So uh, you look at it, and so for the ACC, just look at the players of the year that have come out. You talk about Moses Wright. Where's he? Alondis Williams goes undrafted. Now Isaiah Wong goes near the bottom of the second round. So I think that it's a, it's a college basketball issue too, but I also think that some of the deficiencies of some of these guys uh, are, are showing up and they're not the dominant players that an accolade like ACC Player of the Year would lend itself to. Well, I do think a little bit of it is an NBA issue from a talent evaluation perspective. Mm. Yes. And this is what J.J. Redick was talking about on the broadcast last night. Look at a Jalen Brunson, a dog at Villanova, helps them to a championship game, actually doesn't perform well against Michigan in that championship game, and yet it still wasn't held against him, rightfully so. And now look at him balling for the New York Knicks on the biggest stage, being beloved in the biggest city that there is in sports. And then you have some of these other players that can come in right away with a winning pedigree that you talk about mm -hmm. and value so much, Wes. Some of these older guys can still come in and help you out. I do think there is something to having a younger player, especially when you get into the financial aspect. Contracts for a 19-year-old, they're definitely different from somebody coming in on a 21-year-old. But it only goes so far. It is a part of who they are as a prospect. But it doesn't mean that it should be a 100% deterrent for you to stay away completely from some of these guys. So, yes, it might be ACC. Yes, it's probably some college basketball. But also... If you are not evaluating thoroughly enough some of the older guys, then that's on you as an NBA talent evaluator. I couldn't agree more. It, it's very interesting. A guy that was so impressive, Jalen Wilson for, for Kansas, and you see him going at 51. It, it's just interesting to see the guys that are such big players at that level. I mean, Isaiah Wong was a talented scorer up and down the league and then barely makes the draft. I, I, I don't know. It's just it's Except interesting. The last four years, the ACC Player of the Year has been undrafted or mm, in the crazy. second round. Well, and, well, and, and Duke's got, what, six of the last eight first-rounders <laughs> yeah. or something? Because like, they've like adopted the lifestyle. Is, yeah, but nobody else is even producing them. Right well, now. and last thing on this point before we end it, Wes had the graphic showing Drew Timmy and Oscar Shibway yes. who are not drafted. Oh. They're just not drafted. Nope, we're good. We'll sign them. As productive as Drew Timmy was, it's like, wow, man. I mean, the guy doesn't – nobody even wants to take a second-round flyer. But as I said, he stayed in college so long, you know, they look at him like a dinosaur. And I think that eventually he will pop up on an NBA roster. It's tough because you come back. What else can Drew Timmy do? I mean, you can right. get a, you need to get more athletic. Who better to help you get more athletic than the NBA? But also, yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough. Different situations for different prospects. Interesting, though, to see the direction that the NBA draft is headed. That's the voice of Colin Hoggard helping us out. Always appreciate him, especially when it comes to on-site gigs like today when we were at the Spectrum Center carrying the press conference. Mitch Kupchak. Brandon Miller, Nick Smith Jr., all speaking to media today. Kyle Bailey will have you the rest of the way. For Wes, for Walker Mail, from Colin Hoggard as well, from Fitty back at the Planet We're Kia Studios, out of here. and Anthony Flounder as well, helping us <laughs> at the beginning part of the show. Next up is Kyle Bailey right here, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC.